Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and as we mentioned before the break, we're going to stay with the question a little longer today. That's uh, often where the real answers get, and we're going to listen to a host of voices who have uh, some uh, unique perspective in terms of uh, what has been going on. More importantly, what we need to do next in terms of our politics, not just on the Republican side of the aisle, but all sides as we try to have a different kind of conversation in this country uh, very pleased to be joined now by uh, former Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona. Uh, had a uh, very powerful piece in the Washington Post yesterday uh, talking about truth uh, and getting to that uh, great uh, George Orwell quote to begin. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. And uh, Senator, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so, give us your perspective. You've been in uh, you've been in rooms where things like this have taken place on just the not on the the government side. Let's just focus on the political party side. You've been in some of those conference lunches that uh, have been a little heated and uh, a little stressful. Uh, what's your take on what we've seen play out in Washington uh, over the last twenty four hours? Well, yeah, I, I have twelve years in the House and six in the Senate. I had plenty of those, <laughs> uh, but uh, but this one, I don't think any of them. Um, were so decisive or dispositive uh, when it comes to the direction of my party, the Republican Party, um, where basically uh, the, the party said we'd rather stick with lies rather than truth <laughs> and uh, because the, the truth is inconvenient because uh, the former president doesn't accept it and he you know, wields a big hammer and uh, so we're going to stick with him. So it was, uh, you know, a sad spectacle, frankly, and uh, it's going to be very debilitating uh, for the Republican Party uh, moving forward if uh, it wants to win national elections. Yeah, so let's let's break that down a little bit in terms of the uh, the long term uh, implications. It, it seems like the party just can't quite get out of twenty twenty uh, in terms of the internal dialogue and conversation. It seems like there is a uh, a lack of of any forward movement or future vision. Uh, how do you see how do you see that playing out? Uh, who leads that? How's that How's that going to happen? Well, it's, I mean, the ingredients are there. The, the Democratic Party has has lurched to the left uh, when it comes to policy. I, I believe this is still a center right country, and uh, there is a big lane for Republicans to fill. Um, and, and could uh, do well in terms of Senate and House races coming up. But that's if we look to the future and focus on policy. If we're trying to relitigate uh, the last election, and particularly sensitive to that, because here in Arizona we're going through a uh, some kind of audit, <laughs> um, the fourth one, I believe, of the Maricopa County votes, where it's somebody said uh, it's, it's akin to having a, a murder investigation without a body, or a missing person, um, or a suspect. <laughs> they, they don't know what they're looking for. It's just a lot of people don't want to accept that uh, 
Donald Trump lost. And so as long as a party just continues to, to you know, litigate past elections rather than look forward, we're going to have trouble, particularly in those swing districts that uh, need to be won um, or, you know, uh, in winning national elections when during the next presidential race. Yeah. So as you, as you look to the party leadership, both in the House and the Senate for the Republicans, uh, there's always, you know, there's always that push and pull against uh, kind of the establishment, those that have been there a while or those who are uh, in power at the moment. Uh, how do you see that playing out? And are is the current leadership with uh, a leader McCarthy and a, and a leader uh, McConnell in the Senate, are they capable of, of making a pivot uh, towards the kind of vision and, and policy future that you're talking about? Well, it's, it's less of a pivot in the Senate, certainly. Uh, McConnell never bought into the big lie. Um, he, he certainly still, still has to deal with uh, a Republican base that, that is invested in it. Uh, but he can do that uh, more easily. One, he doesn't have every member up. Uh, and uh, and he, he's just a uh, – he's, he's, he's better at that, frankly, <laughs> than they are in the House. In the House, uh, they they seem wholly beholden, and in particular Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you know, he he said the right thing on January sixth, um, or I'm sorry, uh, a week later, uh, where he said the president did bear culpability, and uh, and it seemed that we we're going the right directions. But uh, a day or two later, he's in Mar-a-Lago, and and so it, it, it's just going to be very difficult for the House to move on. And there, there's opportunity, certainly, uh, to win some of those seats back and to move forward on policy, because I think uh, the country is more with uh, the Republican Party than the Democratic Party there. But, but if you look to the suburbs and you look at some of the demographics that we did so poorly with, um, women, uh, millennials, uh, minorities, uh, it's going to be very difficult to pick them up if we're litigating the past. Yeah, and it just seems like that uh, being stuck on that uh, seems to be part part of the real problem. And and it, it's one I'm trying to wrap my head around, even from a, a leader McCarthy's uh, position, where, as you said, a, a week after January 6th, uh, he had one position and, and days later was down at, at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, is, it, is it strictly this preservation of power uh, it's, it's sort of a head scratcher of uh, politics has always been about you know yeah. not what was or what is but about what's next and it seems like they're going back to what was uh, an awful lot and is that yeah. just money and power well I, I don't know how to put it other than I, I don't think Liz Cheney felt she had any choice uh, she's a woman of principle uh, you don't have to agree with every policy that she uh, puts forward and I don't but, boy, she, I think she just uh, could not go along with this big lie. And and, and there are a lot of uh, people who simply can't. And and uh, that's to their credit. Um, it's, uh, you know, power is an intoxicating drug. And, and when you're in office, it, you, you don't want to – you want to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, for in my case, in the Senate, I, I was just in the Senate one term. I would have liked to have served a second term. But I knew – uh, that I was out of step with where my Republican voters were. And I knew that I would need to change policies that I had held for years and condone behavior that I had condemned mm. and just basically do a 180. 
And I, I think that's what Liz Cheney realized she would have to do in order to keep her leadership position. And I can tell you, just putting aside what wins politically, mm-hmm. but just, you know, can you do that and, and still sleep at night <laughs> or face your kids and grandkids? And I, I think that she, uh, she certainly couldn't, and that's to her credit. Yeah, and I think that's a, such an interesting thing. We often talk about, you know, we, we we want to elect people who will stand on principle, who will, you know, speak truth to power, will do all those uh, those hard things, uh, even if it costs them politically. Uh, and yet when it actually starts to happen, if we disagree with it, uh, then it's easy to, to kind of flip the script. And, uh, you know, as you, as you look at Liz Cheney's voting record, uh, you know, she's 84% on a heritage card and, I think right. she was higher yeah. than that on a club for growth. And, and so clearly on policy, uh, she was in step uh, with the mainstream of the party. Uh, but on the personality, on the politician uh, side, she was out of step. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and, and, go, ahead, go ahead. And I, I like what she said uh, about, you know, she said, if you're a conservative, uh, you first and foremost uh, believe in the rule of law. And, uh, you know, as conservatives as well, our you know first article of faith <laughs> as conservatives is, is kind of a mistrust of concentrated power, particularly in the executive. Right. And yet we seem to uh, contemporary political parties seem to move beyond that. But but one thing that is, is interesting as well, a lot of uh, politicians these days will use the I'm just representing my constituents. Mm. And that's what a representative does. And now, uh, you know, obviously, if you get too far out of step with where your constituents are, you won't be reelected. But we have a representative democracy, and leaders have a responsibility uh, to represent uh, what is true yes. and their own conscience. And uh, what uh, Thomas Jefferson referred to, uh, you know, as, uh, as self-evident truths. Mm. And, and uh, for example, I'll just give you one here in Arizona, the state party leader. Um, was in the state legislature before, and she held a hearing that she received a lot of criticism for later on these chemtrails, uh, which are really contrails of airplanes that some people believe, you know, sprinkle some kind of pixie dust that uh, is a form of mind control. Right. Uh, like the old argument about fluoride in the water is a form of mind control. And, and, and her defense was, I didn't really believe that, but some of my constituents did. Mm. And so I, I needed to give voice to that. Um, or you had the, uh, the elected official in uh, Orange County the other day asking the CDC, is there really a microchip uh, in these vaccines uh, that tracks people? Right. He, he said when he was ridiculed later, I didn't believe that, but some of my constituents did. Well, part of a leader's role is to tell their constituents sometimes Mm. You're all wet, right? <laughs> and, and this is these are self-evident truths. Yes, this this election, uh, there was no fraudulent behavior at a scale that would overturn the election. And to say that there is, or to entertain or indulge that, uh, would be uh, against my oath. Yes, <laughs> uh, this the- is a politician. So I. I think we kind of get away from what it means to be a representative in a representative democracy. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Great insight. Jeff Flake, uh, appreciate you joining us today on Inside Sources. Uh, we'll have you back and continue this conversation. Much more to come here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. 
But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.